Good morning, everyone. Um, Faith, thanks for you and the team for leading us before the throne. Um, it's beautiful this morning and, and great um, worship. So it's, it's encouraging for me to be here uh, with you. Um, my name is Troy, and I am uh, the site pastor down in West Bend, but uh, Dan has me come up once in a while, and I love being up here to see the family of faith that we have here in this community in Kewaskum, which is awesome. Um, <clears throat> this morning, we are continuing on in the Divine Conspiracy where we've been taking a look at the kings, the first kings of Israel, as we've looked through the Hebrew Scriptures. And uh, this morning, we're going to tackle a text that is uh, bizarre. Okay, It's just bizarre. I'm just going to tell you right up front. This is a strange text, but I believe it's a very practical one. We're going to talk today about witches and Ouija boards. Are you excited? All right. We're talking about witches and Ouija boards uh, from a text that we see here this morning. I know some of you might be here and you're, you've been here for a while and you're like, man, you know, I feel like sometimes these, when I, on Sundays we they keep hearing the same message about, I don't know, the gospel and the power of the gospel and Jesus all the time and how we're supposed to share our faith and be on mission and live for Christ. Uh, you're like, man, they talk about that all the time. Well, we're going to keep talking about that, okay, because that's uh, who we are and that is what we are about. However, I want to begin today by saying this, and now for something completely different, okay? This is a, this is a unique text. So grab a Bible with me and turn to uh, page 212 or 1 Samuel chapter 28. If you need a, one of these red Bibles, Scott's got, actually Scott Squared um, here have, have red Bibles. would really encourage you to, to, to look at this text with me because you're, I mean, you're reading it. You're like, is this really in here? It is. Um, so second, or 1 Samuel chapter 28. To give you the cliff notes of where we've been to this point, the, the people of Israel or the nation of Israel had rejected God as their king. God is supposed to be their leader and their king, and the, the nation said, no, we don't want you as our king. We want a king just like everybody else has a king, and all the other nations have. And so God told Samuel, his prophet or leader at the time, he said, okay, give them what they want. It's a sad choice, but give them what they want. And so this tall, handsome, strong man named Saul was named king. And and when First, things played out. Saul made some decent decisions. You see kind of a, at the beginning of, of what happened, there was a trajectory where he was on. He made some good decisions, but it didn't take long for Saul's pride, his arrogance, his dishonesty or lack of integrity to start to, to cause things to go more downhill. God then said, hey, I'm going to remove the kingdom from you. I'm going to give it to somebody else, which is where we find shepherd boy David come on the scene. David beats Goliath, and we start to see David on this upward trajectory while Saul is on a downward trajectory. But as he is going down, Saul is going down in flames, and he is not going to go out without a fight. And so he starts to pursue King David, or David at the time. He's not the king yet. And last week, Dave was up here, right? Last week, Dave Lozowski, he was here? Yeah, so Dave talked about how David could have killed. He could have killed Saul did not do it because of his heart, his integrity, and saying, hey, this is the Lord's anointed, I'm not going to harm him. So that's roughly where we kind of pick up. Here in chapter 28, we find that Samuel, the prophet, had passed away. The Philistine army was gathering to fight against the Israelite army, and Saul's freaking out. He doesn't know what to do, and so he sort of gets out a Ouija board, sort of. So let's see what happens here in chapter 28. I'm going to start reading in verse 3. And then I'm going to kind of be going back and forth between this and the Action Bible for the young folks in the group today. So, Steph, I'll call you when I need you to put some slides up. Let's let's pray before we dive into this. Father, I ask that you'd be with us as we open uh, this unique text. Would you open our hearts to hear what you have to say and our eyes to see uh, what you're trying to show us through this? 
so that you may be glorified through it in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Chapter 28, verse 3 begins like this. Now Samuel was dead, and all Israel had mourned for him and buried him in his own town of Ramah. Saul had expelled the mediums and spiritists from the land. I want to stop there. Remember I said right out of the gate, Saul made some, some good choices. One of the choices that he had made was to expel those who were engaged with witchcraft uh, and, and export them to a different land. And, and the reason why he did that was because in Deuteronomy chapter 18, in the law, the Torah, you know the Ten Commandments, there's many more laws than that, but God extended that law and he said, hey, um, we're not to be engaged with the practices of witchcraft of any kind. And so um, the reasons were primarily because this, they were associated with the Canaanite religions, but, but even underneath that, the idea of what was going on was that just basically people were trying to seek knowledge, wisdom, and power from sources outside of God. They're trying to end around God in, in these practices. And so Saul makes these decisions, and he wasn't actually alone in this. If you were to look historically, a thousand years before Saul, a pagan king named uh, Gudea, a Sumerian king named Gudea, had rid his kingdom of the same kinds of practices. So we've seen this has been destructive before, and, and others had expelled them. But so we start out in, in verse three with a reminder that he had done that. And let's pick back up and see where this goes in verse four. It says the Philistines assembled and came and set up camp at Shunem while Saul gathered all the Israelites and set up camp at Gilboa. When Saul saw the Philistine army, he was afraid. Terror filled his heart. So Stephan, why don't we throw that first slide up here? Um, yeah, that, the, the next slide. There, that one. Okay, it says, but Saul, this is kind of the picture, but Saul is not safe. His army is confronted by the unified Philistine forces. When Saul sees the powerful Philistine army, he is afraid. Frantically, he calls upon God for help. But because he killed God's priests and disobeyed God's commands, God would no longer speak to him. Terrified, he resorts to a dark power, which causes us to pick back up in verse 6 of the text here where it says this. He inquired of the Lord, but the Lord did not answer him by dreams or urim or prophets. Okay? So, so Saul is freaking out because of the Philistine army. Is, 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 he's running up against them, and he wants God's help. And we can identify with that, right? There's times in our lives where we're going, hey, I'm kind of freaking out here. God, I really need your help. And so Saul goes and he uses every method that he knows how to hear from God. First, he takes that Facebook meme that was forwarded to him, and he takes it and forwards it out to 20 of his friends within 30 minutes. Okay, because that's what he's trying to do first. It doesn't work. So then he takes out that paper mat that he got in the mail that he could stare at long enough and maybe see the face of God. He tried that. It didn't work. So then he called the hotline. He donated some money and thought he'd hear from God. None of that worked. Okay? And so none of that worked. And so he says, you know what? I'm going to go look for uh, a medium here. And so we see in verse 7, here's what we find. Verse 7, Saul then said to his attendants, Find me a woman who is a medium, so I may go and inquire of her. There is one in Endor, they said. And so let's read the next slide on the, the next slide, Steph. This is the visual of this. Saul says, hey, where can I find a woman who speaks with the spirits of the dead? I need some advice. There's a witch in Endor, but we can't let people see us breaking the law, so we'll have to go by night. That night, Saul and two servants uh, sneak across the hills to the village of Endor. Now, um... So he turns to the mediums that he, had, he himself had expelled from the land, and he asks the servant to go find one for him. And, and ironically, if you look, it, it, they didn't actually have to go that far. They didn't have to look. They're just like, oh, well, there's one in Endor. They knew. They knew right where she was. Everyone knew. Now, for geographical context for you, 
Uh, just so you're not confused, we are not talking about the planet of Endor or its forest moons, which you will find in this next slide here. That, uh, that is Star Wars, okay? And those are uh, stormtroopers and, and other things that I should know what are, they are, but I don't. Um, <clears throat> so we're talking about the real place of Endor here, which is on the next slide, which is a map. So you'll see in the Jezreel Valley, there's the, there's, Endor is there. And if you look in the next slide, you'll see a picture of, of the area of what we're talking about here, Endor. Verse 8. So Saul disguised himself, putting on outer clo- or other clothes, and at night he and two men went to the woman. Consult a spirit for me, he said, and bring up for me the one I name. But the woman said to him, Surely you know what Saul has done. He's cut off the mediums and spiritists from the land. Why have you set a trap for my life to bring about my death? Saul swore to her by the Lord, ironically. As surely as the Lord lives, you will not be punished for this. Then the woman asked, whom shall I bring up for you? Bring up Samuel, he said. When the woman saw Samuel, she cried out at the top of her voice and said to Saul, Why have you deceived me? You are Saul. The king said to her, Don't be afraid. What do you see? The woman said, I see a spirit coming out of the ground. What does he look like? He asked. An old man wearing a robe is coming up, she said. And then Saul knew it was Samuel, and he bowed down and prostrated himself with his face to the ground. I want to stop there before I finish this text out, just to, just to note some context of the robe. Because the spirit comes up and he says, what does he look like? Well, it's an old man with a robe. And you would think that wouldn't be very descriptive, but it is. And the reason why, if you remember back some weeks, what had happened was Samuel had went to Saul and he said, hey, God's going to take the kingdom from you. And Saul's like, no. Okay, and then he turns to leave and Saul grabs his robe and he keeps going and he tears off a piece of it. And then Samuel turns around and he's like, this is exactly what's going to happen. God's going to tear the kingdom from you. And so when, I, think, I don't think it's ironic or an accident that it just says in here, here's a man with a robe. And he's like, oh, it's a robe. And he knows that it is Samuel. Let's finish this out. Verse 15. Samuel said to Saul, why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? I'm in great distress. Saul said, the Philistines are fighting against me. God's turned away from me. He no longer answers me either by prophets or by dreams. So I've called on you to tell me what to do. Samuel said, why do you consult me now that the Lord has turned away from you and become your enemy? The Lord has done what he predicted through me. The Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hands and given it to one of your neighbors, to David. Because you did not obey the Lord or carry out his fierce wrath against the Amalekites, the Lord has done this to you today. The Lord will hand over both Israel and you to the Philistines, and tomorrow you and your sons will be with me. The Lord will also hand over the army of Israel to the Philistines. Immediately, Saul fell full length on the ground, filled with fear because of Samuel's words. His strength was gone, for he had eaten nothing all that day and night. Let's look at these last two slides just for visual. Suddenly, the witch cries out in terror, Ah! And then she says, Oh, no! It really is Samuel. You must be King Saul. Please don't kill me. Why have you roused me? The Philistines are attacking me. God rejected me. I need you to tell me what to do. If the Lord wouldn't help you, what makes you think I will? You rejected the Lord's command. So now he's rejected you. David will be the next king. Tomorrow your army will be defeated and you and your sons will be dead. In the next slide we see uh, he falls on the ground unable to get Oh, that's kind of the visual there. So Saul, in a last-ditch effort here, consults this woman, this medium, this witch, whatever, and the next thing you know, the spirit of the prophet Samuel shows up and basically affirms that everything that he said would happen has happened. And not only that, Saul learns he's going to die tomorrow, and if you kept reading, you would find that that comes true. 
So this is probably not what he went out looking for, but this is what he found. This is a bizarre, this is bizarre, right? This is a little strange. And yet in the midst of this, I think there's some very practical things that we can learn from because I bet many of us have found ourselves in a very similar situation where we desperately, we desperately want to hear from God. Maybe it's a significant job change. Maybe it's a, um, a relational situation that we're dealing with. Maybe it's like, okay, are there doors being opened or being closed? We're not sure if we're able to discern those things. Maybe um, there's a trial that we're going through. Maybe we lost a loved one and we want to hear from God that it's going to be okay, that, that they're going to be okay. We, 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 we find ourselves in this situation. I, I got an email this week from a family trying to make a significant decision. They asked me, say, hey, any insights that you see or hear in response to regard to how uh, we can hear God's voice in all this would be greatly appreciated. In other words, we can relate to Saul a little bit. Battle with the Philistines is imminent. What should he do? He wants God to speak some wisdom in, with, into the situation, and we can relate, right? We want, right? We want to have God speak into our lives very often. We seek him. So having tried everything, he turns to a medium, which I think he knows is not a good idea, but he does it anyway. And this brings a question to us. Uh, this text actually raises a significant amount of questions, but, but this one question is, here's one. Can a medium or a witch summon the spirit of a prophet? I mean, like, can they do that? Because it kind of seems in this text like that's what happens. Uh, when I was in high school, I, I found myself in the house of a, of, of a classmate who I didn't usually spend time with. It just happened that I was with some other guy friends and they wanted to go there. I'd never been there before and I'd never gone after her. But anyway, we were there one night and she's like, hey, let's play the Ouija board. Like, and I, I had heard of this before. I had never seen one before. And I was just kind of like, I, kn- I just knew well enough to be like, you know what? Nah, I'm just going to kind of be over here, okay? And so but the guy I was with uh, was like, I'm doing it. So he, he got on there and uh, did this thing. And for me, I was trying to figure, like, this is just baloney and just moving it around. And, and then the, he asked the question, like, when am I going to die? And so 27 was the answer. Now, uh, we kind of uh, grew, continued to grow, grow up and kind of grew apart a little bit and didn't spend a lot of time together, went to college and didn't know uh, much of each other after that. But um, when he was 27 years old, he was in a tragic motorcycle accident and he died. And now, if you knew him, you would know that like he was known for doing wheelies on crotch rockets at like 110 miles an hour. So, so in reality, uh, there's a high chance when you're living with that kind of abandon that you're going to die at any time, right? So was it a coincidence? Absolutely could have been. Absolutely could have been a coincidence. Did something happen that night years before that that I... It could have been. I don't know. What I do know is that both interactions in this kind of realm ended in death and darkness and destruction. That's what, I, that's what I do know. And I think that's why when we are to seek supernatural power, wisdom, and knowledge, we need to, come, we need to seek it from the source of life, God himself. So, so going back to the question, can a witch or a medium summon the spirit of one of God's prophets or summon the spirit of any kind? Uh, this is the only time in Scripture you're going to find this happening. Okay, you won't see it happening other places. The only other time that's even remotely close to this is Jesus tells a story about a rich man and Lazarus. And it's, in a, it's a parable. And he, and he says, hey, there's a rich man and Lazarus. And uh, Lazarus was very poor and the rich man was very rich. And basically they went to two different places. One was good, one was bad. And, and the, the rich man was in the bad place. And the rich man cries out. and He's like, hey, let me come back from the dead and tell my brothers so they know about this. 
and he was not allowed to come back and speak into that situation. And so this is a unique text. One of the things, though, that I found interesting as I was trying to process this myself before I was going to talk to you about it is it seems to me that the medium involved here is not in control of the situation. And I think I can show you five things just briefly as to why I think that's the case. First, if she really was that clairvoyant, she probably would not have been deceived by, deceived by a disguise. She probably would have been able to know that that's Saul. Okay, he, he was the king, and he was the very guy who uh, expelled her from the land. Okay, So that's one thing. Secondly, when she does see Samuel, it says she freaks out. So she screams. In other words, like she wasn't really expecting that to happen. Like, oh my goodness, this is, this is really happening. This isn't how it usually goes. It's, that's, I mean, kind of implying that's what happens there. Thirdly, um, Samuel himself says, and he says it to Saul, he says, why, ha- why have you, Saul, disturbed me by bringing me up? In other words, he doesn't credit the medium. He credits Saul for, for however this happens. Fourthly, notice that she doesn't interact with the spirit of Samuel at all. She can see him, but Samuel doesn't acknowledge her. He doesn't speak to her. He speaks to Saul. And lastly, if you were to look at verse 21, it says that, that after the dialogue happened, it says she came to Saul and found him terribly distressed, which means that perhaps she wasn't even there. It seems like she left for the interchange. Now, at the end of the day, I've got to be honest and say, if you're thinking through that, you're like, well, I don't know if that really answers the question or not. Troy. Maybe it just raises a new question. Can... Can Saul summon another spirit? And I, I just tell you, I don't know. Uh, this is, that's why this is a very unique text. We don't see this happening elsewhere. What I can tell you again, though, is that the message that Saul received from Samuel didn't change from when he was alive or when he was dead. The message stayed the same. And the message continued to unveil the decline of Saul and just show how far he would go, what the lengths to which he would go to keep a grab on that which had been removed from him. But secondly, I think we can learn from this that leveraging spiritistic mediums is not how God wants us to hear from him. If you look back in verse 15, you'll see Saul is distressed. And so he says to Samuel's spirit, I called on you to tell me what to do. And I think this is at the heart of the matter of what, what I think God is speaking into this text for us. Here's the thing. God had already told Saul what to do. Samuel had already told Saul what to do. Here's the problem. Saul didn't do that. He didn't want to do that. He wanted to go any which way he could to try to find someone who would tell him what he wanted to hear. And we do this, we do this all the time. People, people ask me the question all the time, hey, what does God want me to do in this situation or that situation? And I'm kind of like, I'm not God. So I can't necessarily tell you. But what I can do is I can, I can show you who he is and what he has to say, and then, and then he will speak to us through his word. But I think the problem is, is very often we actually know, we actually already know what God wants from us, but we just do not want to do it. And so we'll get a fortune cookie out. We'll read a horoscope. We'll, we'll phone a friend. We'll, we'll, we'll get, have, as many people as, will tell us what we want to hear until we hear what we want to hear. And Saul can't escape the reality of what he's already been told. You, you notice, even the witch tries to stop him from doing it. Nothing's going to stop him from hearing what he wants to hear, which ends up being not what he wants to hear. And I think sometimes we go down the, the same road, we do the same thing, where we, we go different directions than to God himself to try to hear what he wants. And when we do that, when we seek to hear from God without actually hearing from God, what we're doing is we're demonstrating things that we don't believe. 
Like, like God's not powerful, that God has not spoken, that he it does not still speak. This is what we reveal that we are actually believing about who God is, that he is not the one that, that knowledge and power really only come from him. We used to have, when we used to have the office downtown, my, my house is on the west side of town on 33, just off of 33. And so I would drive uh, from my house downtown every day. And on 33, um, at some point there was a house, there was a house that had a, a medium uh, or a, a, a psychic there. And so um, I would drive by that house every day. And one day I was, uh, in the morning I was reading some scripture from the book of Acts. In the book of Acts, there is a, an account of a guy named Simon the Sorcerer. Okay, and, and what that tells us is that there's sorcery was happening not only way back in the Old Testament, but it's happening in the New Testament as well, many years later. And so I was reading this account of Simon the Sorcerer, and if you, you know this account at all, the way it kind of goes is like this. The, after Jesus died and rose from the dead, his disciples started to experience the Holy Spirit, and, 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 and they started to see these amazing things happen. And Simon the Sorcerer was like, this is legit. Okay, so he's going, man, how do I get that kind of power? Like, you guys, just come over here. Like, what do you, I mean, what do you need? Like, I, I, how much can I pay for this? And they're like, hey, man, your money's going to perish with you if you think that's how it's going to work. It doesn't, it's not how it works. He's like, okay, sorry. And so anyway, in that text, um, I'm reading that text thinking through like, well, what is, what, okay, this is a cool story. What does that mean? Lord, how, how would you, what would you have me do? And so the next day I'm driving to the office and I'm feeling the Holy Spirit. The Spirit says, Troy, you need to pray for that woman. And I was like, hey, I can do that. There's some application. And so then the Holy Spirit was like saying, no, no, I need you to go in there and pray for her. And then I was like, no, that's dumb. Like, that's crazy. I'm not doing that. And so I would drive and I drive home I'd see that house every day, and I'd do it for, and every day the Spirit would be like, you need to go in there. And I'd be like, no way. No. I just kept doing it, back and forth. Oh, Lord, I'm going to pray for her right now. That's not what I asked. I'm going to pray. Hear me pray, Lord. So I think at one point I got, I got, uh, I, I, I don't know, I think I just want to got off my back. And so I was like, fine. I'm going to go in. Hmm. Go in here and look like a total idiot. But I'm going to try to obey you. So I go in there and I, I sit down. And she says, "Hey, what do you want? Do you want you want to get your energy read? You want to get your palm read? You want a tarot card reading? What do you what do you want?" I was like, "Well, uh, as crazy as this sounds, God actually told me I was supposed to come in here and ask you how I could pray for you." And she fell out of her chair onto her knees, and she said, I need Jesus. No, that's not what happened. I'm sorry. That's not, that's not what happened. That's what I thought was supposed to happen. That's what I was like, okay, this is what's supposed to happen now. But that's not what happened at all. I'm sorry. I, that's what I really, in my mind, I was, was going to play out. That's not what happened. So we had like a five or ten minute dialogue. We actually talked. She's like, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. And I'm like, Okay, I'm not. You know, I was like, I know God didn't call me there to debate with her, and so I said, okay, I listened, and she's like, you know, you have a good energy about you. I said, yeah, it's the Holy Spirit. Anyway, um, so I said, hey, can I just pray for you? And so I prayed for her, and I left, and I, I left, and as I left, I got in the car, and I was driving to the office, and I was like, hey, God, thanks for that super awkward like interchange that didn't do anything. Thanks a lot. That was like the most awkward I felt in a long time. And he was like, 
I, I felt God saying, you know what? Maybe this wasn't about her, Troy. Maybe this was about you engaging in something that is super awkward for you to see if you'll be actually willing to listen to what I'm going to say and do what I'm going to do. And I was like, yeah, thanks a lot. That's a dumb lesson, too. <laughs> I didn't say that. I'm, come on, folks. But I, that's kind of how you feel, right? I tell you the story for a couple of reasons. The first reason I tell you the story is because I think we need to realize, folks, that the practices of mediums like this that are spoken of the ancient texts are still being done today, okay? Uh, like really close to where we live, okay? And, and that doesn't mean that we put on a witch hunt at all because that is not the way of Jesus. The way of Jesus is that we are to love and pray for those who would see things differently or not part of the kingdom. We are to love them and not persecute them. Um, I, th- I think we forget, though, that, that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but it's the principalities of darkness in this world. The way of Jesus is to bring light and love and life into the darkness that we see in the world. And I think uh, we forget that sometimes these practices still exist today, and I, I think there may be something that these folks are tapping into, someone they're tapping into, to, to, to get just enough to keep this thing moving. Uh, but we know from Scripture that it is not God that they're tapping into. Okay? Uh, this this week I was talking to a teenager who was in an event uh, with a small group of, of, of roughly her same age peers, and there were two of uh, the girls who were Wiccans. And uh, they were laughing about death and destruction and celebrating darkness um, very openly. And so she was trying to process with me, how do I respond to that? Because it's, it's here, it's real. And so processing, how are we to love and bring light in the midst of that? Sometimes I think we don't take the spiritual warfare that's waging around us seriously. As Christians, we don't acknowledge that reality. And we become oblivious to it. And folks, when we become oblivious to it, we're not prepared for it or equipped to deal with it. Or when we do experience it, we get afraid. And that is not how it's supposed to be because he who is in us, who have trusted in Christ, is greater than he who is in the world. Now, on the flip side, I think at times we, we may tend towards the other end of the spectrum to kind of see evil behind every bush and everything, and I think we've got to be careful because what we do then is we start to get captive by darkness and it's consuming us, and what we need to do is take every thought captive to Christ. And so we have to find some balance in this. But the other reason I tell you this story is because of what I think this text is saying to, to Saul and to us, which is God has spoken. We need to listen. God has already spoken through his scriptures, and, and when he was speaking to me through Simon the Sorcerer's text, that text... It was like, here's how you're supposed to apply this to your own life and heart and grow in this. And I just didn't want to do that. If you want to know where God stands and the issues that are in your life, great place to start here. You know, sometimes I wonder how many how many people will like religiously check their horoscopes and not open this. I'm hoping that that's not our community here, but it may be. And if it is, I would say, no, no, this is this is where we are to go to hear from God. God has spoken. And he, but he went further than this. You know this. He didn't just speak his word so we would know about who he is this way. He's, he sent his word into this world to, to really overcome and triumph over the principalities of evil and darkness in this world. So that, that the, the only one, he's the only true medium. He's the only true mediator. He's the one who uh, not only, can, he's the only one that can wield the power of God. The one whose very name causes darkness to flee, and that name is Jesus Christ. He's the image of the invisible God. He's the one who said, I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. And for those who place their trust in Jesus Christ, let me tell you, it takes another step forward, that he promised the the counselor, 
the Spirit of truth to come dwell in us, in the Holy Spirit, that we'd be able to have the Spirit of truth dwelling in us. And the Spirit of truth, he promised, would, would remind us of all the things, would teach us all things and remind us of the things that Jesus himself had said. We don't need, folks, any other medium or any other mediator than Jesus Christ himself who sits at the right hand of the Father and mediates on our behalf. Family, the only true medium is Jesus. And the only true Spirit is the Holy Spirit. So, so here's what I think we need to do. When we find ourselves in a situation where we're like Saul and we're afraid or terrified and we don't know what to do, we need to ask, the question, we need to ask this question first. Here's the first question we need to ask. Do we already know what we should do, but we're not willing to do it? That, that's the first question we have to ask if we find ourselves in a situation like Saul. What do I do, God? You need to ask ourselves, do I already know what I should do, but I, I'm not willing to do it? And if the answer is yes, with, I, to know for me that's the case, very often the, 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 the formula there, if there is one, is to, to then confess that and repent of that. And then reapproach God and seek to obey him in what he's calling us to. The second thing we need to do is we actually need to seek wisdom and counsel from God's word individually and then together as a family so we can be continuously equipped to know the answers already, to, go, to have it built into us, to know fluently the gospel, to know how fluently well how we can respond to what God has for us right here. So you do that individually and collectively. And one of the things that uh, very practically might be a tool for you Something I'd encourage you to do even tomorrow morning or this afternoon is to take a text and ask the text four questions. You can ask a text four questions very simply. I think it brings us to a helpful process, and that is to ask the text, who is God? What does this text say about who God is? Okay. Ask the text, secondly, what does this text say about what God has done? The third question is, what does this text say about who we are in light of that? And then fourthly, what does this text say about what we are to do? It's very practical, very simple, and it's basically what we do as we study and teach because we have to come to those conclusions and figure out what these things are saying. But we need to do that. And, and also, and lastly, we need to, to pray individually in the community to allow the Holy Spirit to give us either peace because you know what? There's going to be times where we want to seek from God and maybe we aren't hearing from him for, say, like specific answers because I think that happens a lot. And we need to be able to go, hey, we're going to seek the Spirit and maybe the Spirit would give us peace in the midst of not having all those answers right now. And that's okay. But the Spirit will either give us peace or the Spirit will convict us of the truth of righteousness that we need to either go back and maybe readdress question number one, which is, do I already know what I'm going to do, I'm supposed to do, but I'm not willing to do it. And so we need to seek God in prayer in that. At the end of the day, family, I'm so thankful, and I think you are too, that God's Son, Jesus Christ, not only did He know what He was supposed to do, but He was willing to do it. And He did it. And as a result, those who trust in him can be empowered by the Spirit to have direct access, not through any other medium, direct access to the Father by his Spirit. Isn't that good news? That's good news. Let's pray. Father, thank you for even this bizarre text that um, it only seems bizarre to us because we can't always understand everything and the full picture of what you're doing. But uh, in the midst of it, we can draw some amazing truths of who you are and, and who you've created us and called us to be. I ask, Father, if, if anyone here is in a place where they're wrestling through hearing from you, that they, they would, that they would receive uh, your son, Jesus, and that he would empower them by your spirit, that they would not seek any other mediator to come to you but your son, who is the ultimate perfect mediator. Father, may it be so. May we as a community together be in your word together so we can be built up and equipped to the fullness and the maturity of Christ so we would know your will, your perfect, pleasing, and good will, 
as we're being transformed by the renewing of our minds. Father, I ask that you would um, empower us to live in light of all these truths as we leave today so that you'd be glorified. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.